Um, hey, look, I know you don't know me, but my name's Darius. Um, I was just wondering, can I measure your tree? No, not right now. Right now? That basically means no, man. It is our hope and intention that this recording will become a living memory and permanent record of history in the making during our lifetime and an inspiration to future generations. Nigga, I'm gonna be eating these kids! I'm gonna get out cereal! What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop fans discuss hip-hop topics. On today's show, we'll first discuss the new feature-length film featuring Freddie Gibbs entitled Down with the King and its recent trailer, briefly going to the mystery of the missing MF Doom album, and then we'll debate and discuss the topic on do rappers need to experience growth to remain relevant. Then we'll dive into our Atlanta appreciation discussion and talk about what we love about the FX drama series, what it means for black culture, and highlight our personal five favorite episodes from the series. Then for our album Face Off, we'll be putting the album Jericho Jackson by El Zion Crisis against Gods in the Spirit, Titans in the Flesh by Blue and Knox and weigh in on which album we felt was better and why. And then the crew will share what they've been bumping for the past week. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. Yo, what's good, Vince? What's up, man? What's good with you? Man, everything, everything. What's going on, man? My, my bad, man. I forgot to send the syllabus this week. I sent it like mad late, bro. I, 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 my apologies for that. I normally try to get out a lot earlier. I just been mad, distracted with, with just different stuff here and there. So right, it happens, man. I um, I got, I got through most of it. Oh, okay, man. Okay, I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Just, you know, just stuff around the house, school year winding down. Stuff at work is just, yeah, it's just growing. Emotionally connected to all of the crazy stuff, the tragedies that's happening in the world. Yeah, yeah, the school shooting. Yeah, man, for three days, that kind of kind of kept me from getting anything done. Well, we got our we got we got our son a cell phone because he, he he definitely needed it, and that just showed us that uh, we got to get that. That's a necessity. Yeah, yeah, I've been kind of putting it off myself, you know. Given, given the current climate, man, yeah, it's looking like more and more of a necessity. So, you know, we, uh, we didn't even send them to school that, that, that day after. Yeah, I mean, did we send? Well, he's out of school now, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, he get in the uh, Phoenix area, they get out in May instead of June. So he was out, but it just didn't feel right to go to school the next day anyway with that. Yeah, yeah, it was just too fresh. So, because you know, you got copycats and whatnot. You know, they'll try to do do something to make a name for themselves. Yeah, you know, it, it's just uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm waiting on a couple more people. And um, yeah, man, we gonna go ahead. We gonna get it started, man. Yo, did you see the trailer for this movie that Freddie Gibbs is starring in? That's coming out soon. It's like. It looks like a little indie film or whatever, a little art house film called Down with the King. No, I didn't get to see it. Man, that's what I didn't get to see. 
Okay, it, it looks interesting. Check, check it out when you get a chance. It's like, it looks as if he's playing a rapper much like himself, who for whatever reason has to live in the woods in this rural area uh, with this, basically with this white family. And uh, I'm not sure what the exact plot is, but it looks like a, it looks like a kind of like a, almost like a soul searching film, but like, it looks, it looks interesting. I, I gotta admit, like my, my interest is definitely peaked, you know, like hopefully this is him, you know, kind of peeling back the layers a bit and, you know, showing another, you know, another side to his, his character and his, his personality, but it, it looks good. What's going on, Marcellus? Hey, what's up, yeah? What's good, what's man? What's going on? I'm all Marcellus, right. what's up, bro? Glad to have today off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I accidentally oh, yeah. had Friday off, so. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, four-day weekend. Not yeah. bad. Uh, Marcellus. Power went off. The power, uh, storm made my power go off, so I had to take a day off. Oh, okay, okay. And it's okay. not a day I wanted to use, but hey, four day <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> we got Mr. Podcast in the house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, uh, I forgot. That's right. It's, it's burning. <laughs> I, for, I forgot. That's your brother, Vince. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Everything comes full circle. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that is crazy. Vern been doing most of the podcast because I've been doing so much stuff on our Patreon. Vern had to be, you know, he had to... It's been him and another teammate that's been doing the podcast, like man, like the last almost ten podcasts. I think that I ain't been on there in a minute. That's ain't gonna have. Got to keep it, keep the movement going. So you gotta spread yourself where you need it, right? Yep, ex- exactly. Yeah. It's funny enough, that's what that's what Vern said. All right, well, you know what you got to do, and I'll do what I got to do. So I was like, yeah, nice, nice. All righty then. As the whole episode, wait a minute, I, I didn't get the itinerary. This whole episode ain't about Atlanta, is it? No, 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 it's not. It's, right. uh, it's, it's, we, we got an evergreen topic that we're gonna, we gonna definitely touch on. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't know if y'all, it's the story still kind of unfolding. I don't know if y'all heard about this. They think they found out what happened with that missing album from MF Doom that was supposed to be called The Missing Notebook. Yeah, I that actually, I did. Funny enough, you know, I don't keep up with I actually saw that on, uh, YouTube, somebody brought it up, Facebook, one of them. Okay, okay, yeah, I heard about it on YouTube, like, so if anybody who doesn't know, like, the, the late rapper MF Doom, I think it was in 2017, he had an album called The Missing Note. it was supposed to be called The Missing Notebook, and it was basically going to be 15 songs, and they were going to release one song each week for 15 weeks, and then I guess the whole album would have been out. And I think they got to like maybe like seven songs in, and then all of a sudden, Adult Swim ended their relationship with Doom. Now, they don't—they're not really sure why, but after it was announced that they were ending their relationship with Doom, mysteriously, eight songs, which is the exact number of songs that would have been missing from the project, appeared. New, brand new songs appeared on the Metal Face Records SoundCloud page. So. Basically, there there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of people on the internet going aha, this is what happened to the to the missing notebook rhymes. But it's it's kind of an ongoing story, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't I don't know if it's ever going to see an official release at this point because you know with him passing away and everything, like I, I don't I don't know who would even have the rights to that music right now. So right. it's just interesting because they said. 
I, I heard that they had ended their relationship with Doom because they gave him, they wrote him a check <laughs> for, for 50 grand to do an album that was going to be released exclusively through Adult Swim because the Danger Doom project was so was so massive and successful. I think that's his most successful album to date commercially. So they wrote him a check to do another album. And basically, the way the story was told, he absconded with the funds and didn't didn't do the album. <laughs> and, then, oh, okay. and then they came up with this, which is such a doom thing to do. Um, ah. and, then, and then came up with this other deal where they would do the this missing notebook album ah. and whatever happened with that fell through. So, you know, Doom took his villain persona. He he truly lived it. He really did. Like, you know, all the way down to sending stunt doubles to perform his songs at concerts. It's like, it's like this dude is just he was just off the chain with it. But yeah, yeah, that's 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 the story, you know, as of right now. But let's get into let's get into our first uh mailbag question. This is something that's kind of come up in terms of some of the more current hip-hop albums that have dropped this year, uh, namely from Drake and Future and and even Pusha T. And that is, do hip-hop artists need to grow? What do y'all think? Do y'all think that growth is something that is is necessary for artists to stay, you know, relevant or at least pushing out quality material? Or do you, well, well, yeah, yeah, what what are your thoughts? Well, I do. I think that your music, anybody's music, should be indicative of of your life. You know, like it's art because it's more like a an, an explanation of what you got going on. Now you don't have to focus on every single aspect of your life, but like as you evolve mentally and as you grow and mature, like your thought process changes. So what you write about or how you write about it should change. Like for instance, we still go out from time to time, but we don't go out the same way we went out when we were 21, 22 years old. We're not hitting clubs like that. And when we do, it's it's done a little differently. So there should be some type of uh, conveyance of that with uh, as you grow in your career, you know? That's, I, that's what I think. I could dig it. I could dig it. Yeah, we we kind of as we grow and mature in life, we we kind of change everything the way we do a lot of things, you know. So yeah, I I, I could definitely dig that. Uh, what what do you think, Marcellus? No, you. I think that's one of the biggest issues of hip hop is when folks don't grow because then you stay stagnant. And if you stay stagnant, like for example, we came up on '90s rap, right? And then in 2000, you saw you know, Dirty South start coming in the mix, you know, uh, you saw New York coming back, but the style wasn't for the generation that showed up, that was growing. You know, we talked about post 9-11 generation, you know, stuff like that. And now we got this series of all these quote unquote mumble rappers before you had, you know, goats like J. Cole and, and Kendrick show up, you know, so one of the reasons why a lot of people just can't have a catalog of treasures is because they didn't grow. They didn't change with the with the generation that came came out. Right, and if you right. got somebody that's good at marketing, obviously Drake people do, 
you can always watch Rinse and Repeat and still make money. Yeah. Drake, Drake doesn't have to grow. He found his niche. <laughs> well, 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 Drake, Drake, he, in some ways, he has grown, but he's still making the same style of music. But he talks about right. his son and he talks about leaving a legacy for his son. And right. He, yeah, he's, but, he's adjusted. He's not talking about some, and you know, no new friends and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's adjusted to some degree. But one thing about Drake is he's still talking about the way he lives his life. Right. So, yeah. so like, not everybody grows at the same rate as anyone else. Um, but, but look at uh, look at even Jay Z for instance. Look at Nas. Mm-hmm. Look at um, well Kendrick obviously. Uh, Jay Cole too. Uh, now those new dudes, quote unquote, new people don't have the longevity that somebody like Jay Z and Nas has. And even Jay Z and Nas, you can't say that their recent work was the epitome, the zenith of what they've created in the past. You know what I'm saying? Well, Even the numbers. Well, Nas, well, Nas is on a whole new. This is a new. He he rebirthed his career. Well, but you, right, I, I know what you're saying. Good. Like I said, know what I, you funny that the question came up because even yesterday, um, it's funny how you're, you know, stuff be on a tangent. I'm watching Obi Wan Kenobi. Flea is in Obi Wan Kenobi, which got me writing, uh, listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers yesterday when I was supposed to run around. And I like Red Hot Chili Peppers when they reinvented themselves when they came with Californication onward not back in the, the harder rock stuff we give it away and suck my kiss and all that type of junk that wasn't what I was into but also I was a lot younger when they came out with that stuff you know so uh-huh. they took a right. severe hiatus came back with a new sound then busted out like five six more albums you, you know what I'm saying right right so you know I think I got like three or four of those albums you know that they they came out with so it's it's like when you can reinvent yourself and reach out to a new audience and possibly still reclaim an old audience you know you're doing something that's the key right there you, you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. I, I i'm not i don't want to pull the most f here and rail against streaming but i think the way streaming is is set up this these days with the music industry you know like it seems like every every other week there's a new arbitrary streaming record being set you know for all time so and, and that goalpost keeps changing and artists have to kind of stay with it and if you have to release material and projects every so often just to stay relevant a lot of times man artists be releasing projects six seven eight months apart and it's like when you have to drop projects at that that frequent of a pace do you really have time to grow from project to project? Like, I mean, like, like, what are you really going to be rapping about in June that you weren't rapping about in January? You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think I think, unfortunately, because of the pace that artists have to put out material, they're not even they don't have time to grow. They're not they're not allowed to grow and not not unfortunately, not everyone can pull a, a Kendrick or even right. a Kanye and take four or five years off. And then I was like, OK. We'll see you when we see you. When you come back, we know you're gonna have something good for us. You know what I mean? Like that's a rarity. They're they're, they're like the exception to the rule and the chalets and stuff. So, right, right. you know, unfortunately, they don't even have the opportunity to grow. And you know, a- another reason this kind of came up there was a there was a music critic who wrote for Variety who gave a very uh, harsh critique of Pusha T's new album for quote unquote not showing enough growth. And he got people came for him. He got doxxed and everything. 
and which which I think is an overreaction. But like yeah. when it comes to first of all, a magazine like Variety grading a Pusha T album, it's like you're you're treading in murky waters even reviewing an album like that. You know, it would have it would have rang a lot different if a if a if a a, a, a venue like Double XL or Complex even reviewed the album or, or critiqued it. But anyway, people were kind of saying, you know, like, well, what, what did you really expect from Pusha T? It's like even before the album dropped, we could have told you it was it was mainly about him selling drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it, so some, sometimes I think people people say they want growth from artists, but they really don't. You know, or they don't know what type of growth that they're looking for. It's like that's that's more to yeah, say it that's better to say it like that. Yeah. And the chance the rapper made a, a whole album about loving his wife and being married, and we were ready to burn him at the stake for it. So it's like, do we really want to hear Pusha T talk about fatherhood or you know, any of any of these other artists that we kinda make fun of for not being lyrical enough, you know? Yeah. Well I, I like I said I think though, I, I just think that you write about what you live in, you know. So no one tells you how to write about it, but you know, you write about what's on your mind. You write about what's going on in your life. So of course, Pusher, he's going. We know what he's going to rap about, but he also throws little tidbits in there to show you that his mind is on other things than what they were. 10 years ago and then, you, then you add then you add his brother who's on something totally different i was surprised he got on the album actually because i thought he was done with rapping so like you can see some growth there but i, I think like everybody doesn't grow the same way so somebody That's you know like like uh quavo and and amigos they aren't gonna grow the same way as uh somebody like corday so their music is still gonna be based around that style of music, but you should be able to see some type of growth because of what their, you know, how their life is and what they're going through at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've people heard people just not gonna grow. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They, they, I think they just found their niche and they're not gonna grow. And they said, "Hey, this is what I'm good at, so this is what I'm gonna do." You know, I just recently, probably over the last six months, maybe earlier this year. Uh, got on fatigue. and dude is one trick pony. He's just really, really good at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Well, well Pusha T, he's like, he's, he reminds me of somebody who's kind of like chipping away at marble. It's like, yeah, he's always rapped about selling drugs, but now you do hear him advancing or growing even in that, in that particular lane of subject matter that he covers. Like he talks about the fatality of the streets. He, he talks about portrayal and, and, and people who snitched on him and stuff like that. So growth is gonna look different for different artists. But with this latest album, people were saying stuff like, well, he lost both his parents recently within five months of each other. Why, why isn't he talking about that? And I think that's a little unfair. You know, I, if, if you don't wanna open up about that, I don't think he owes us that, you know? Exactly, like, look, how, look how long it took Kendrick to talk about what he talked about on this particular album. Right, right, right. So, so like, nobody gets to tell an artist what they write about. Right, they grieve you. Yeah. They still people, they gonna grieve yeah. different ways. I mean, you guys, you gotta have some real nerve to tell somebody, well, you just lost your parents, so you should be rapping about that. Huh? 
Yeah, See, that's they, how you they, get y'all jacked. <laughs> that's how you now, can catch these hands. Don't tell me. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's you like, know? yeah, you can't you can't make those demands on an artist. Now, do you all think that these critiques of artists like Pusha T or and these other people who who they say, oh well, if you're over 40, you shouldn't be rapping about, you know, Coke and this, this and that. Do you feel that these critiques are a little coded at times? Yep. When it comes Facts. to art, okay, 100%. artists yep. from impoverished areas, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like when you're in your 40s and, and staring down 50, I, I hear that's one of the most transformative periods in a person's life. And a person in that in that age range is still in a way gonna fall back on what they know when they when they're at least when they're rapping. Right. And if you you came in rapping about that, you're you're probably gonna keep that up, but you're just gonna do it a little different. You know. What what's going on, Jamil? What's happening? Nothing Jamil, much, nothing man. much. Jamil, where do you stand on this whole debate on should hip hop artists show growth? And we, we kind of touched on it already, shared our opinions already, but we were kind of trailing off into another topic about is this complaint about lack of growth kind of coded with certain artists? Where, where do you stand on it? Um, I guess it depends on what you mean by growth. I think that, you know, the um, if you're 19, 20, 25, you should sound like that. If you are 50, you should sound like you're 50. But I don't think that the subject matter necessarily dictates, you know, one's maturity. Like you can have a perspective as a mature person on something that may not be quote mature, right? Like selling dope, for instance, because I, I think that's where the um, the conversation was going when I jumped in. You know, the way a 19 year old sees the dope game is going to be different than the way the 50 year old sees the dope game. And I, I think there's room for people to discuss it, however, their perspective is. Now, if you 15, you sound like you're 19, that's different. You know what I mean? The, the, the content doesn't necessarily, or rather the subject matter doesn't have to change, but if your, um, your presentation, your, you know, the way that you're breaking down the subject might be a little, uh, a little bit silly. You just start to look like the old man at the club. Right. Agree. No. Agree. I just, you know, I, I don't hear these critiques applied to other artists sometimes. Yeah, like, exactly. And I think no. what I was about to say. With coke rap, you know, this is this is a lane of hip hop that, you know, very few people, definitely not suburbanites, really have any basis or, you know, any frame of reference for. So when they hear a Pusha T album, it's just like, oh, there he goes again, rapping about coke. But, you know, it's it's and I, I don't I just don't hear these same critiques when it comes to someone like Drake, who's literally been rapping about the same thing for like 10 years. 10 years. And that's his success being being this like wounded Lothario, you know, with the ladies and rapping about, you know, sleeping with girls 10 years younger than them and then being butthurt when they dare to have any autonomy in their life. And it's like, you don't you don't hear those critiques about Drake, despite the fact that he keeps giving us the same album over and over again. And it, to me, it's just, I don't know. It's like, it feels like, oh, I can't relate to Pusha, so I'm just gonna complain about lack of growth. But then when an artist, like I brought up Chance the Rapper, raps about quote unquote grown things it's like we don't really want that either well that's because it was terrible like you're good at it <laughs> i don't think people are going to complain i i think there's a um an argument to be made about the idea that 
you know, people are complaining about Push and saying is there's no growth there just from not having a connection. Because quite honestly, like Rick Ross is another example of that. He's a dude that he does not, his flow has not changed. Like he talk about the same things from the time that he started. It might be, it, it sounds a little better, I guess. He's not rhyming 22, 22 different times. But that that's not altogether true though, but now that you finish. I mean I don't grow you can grow sonically and musically too with using different sound palettes and stuff like that. It's like, you know, we 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 you know, people like us, you know, we always complain about the the yeats and the little babies and the gunners and you know we will not put a little baby in this conversation sir <laughs> oh yes we will <laughs> that's yes, top will. tier that's top tier MC no, right there. top tier what trash <laughs> top tier mcs <laughs> little baby's a goat we know this well, well but when we complain about those types of artists what we're really saying is could you could you be a little bit more lyrical that's 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 really the complaint not necessarily when you rap about can't you just rap about something else but can you just be a little bit more lyrical and just make the music sound better and it's like i don't hear these complaints about artists like freddie gibbs it's like freddie gibbs been rapping about the 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 same thing he's been rapping about since the scary gary days and it's like but he does it with this veneer and like you just you really can't complain about it it's like he hooked up with mad lib twice he hooked up with alchemist and it's like you know he's still rapping about the same stuff he was rapping about from the cold a uh, cold day in hell days and like now he's a grammy nominated artist because you know he grew musical you know and he hooked up with producers mm-hmm. that kind of challenge you yeah. know so i think i, I think push's issue quite honestly it's interesting that you mentioned drake i think that is the issue uh he dared you know come across the the patron saint of, of simps and you know he's he's uh getting the wrath of that i don't think too many people are going to you know apples to apples that but i think that's a big part of it because even when the even when the uh you know the back and forth between them was happening like it was active active that was that was everybody's critique who had one it's like oh he's just a co-rapper you know what i mean it's like uh well yeah he's talking about coke but the way he does it is it's a a little bit more elevated than that. That yep. would be like reducing, you know, Cool G rap to a Coke rapper. Like, yeah, he he does rap about that, but the way that he does it, you know what I mean, is a, is a little bit different. Like the way the way Pusha T raps about drugs is a lot different than say, you know, a Kodak Black might rap about drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think ultimately though, some people can show growth. You still got to do it properly because you know you bring a chance to rapper but like i was saying people rap about their life not just focus an album on one aspect of that life like right why right do, why can't you do why did it have to be an album solely on that why couldn't you have three or four albums since from that point forward where in those albums you talk you have a couple songs about it and throughout those the next albums it don't have to be one album just with that because it's like all right that's overkill you if you know i mean you can you can break that you can break that down within a couple songs not an entire album and then also yeah i mean execute you're right execution is important but i just i don't know man I, i i feel like sometimes critics try to apply respectability politics to rappers and it's just sure 
Do you even? It's, it's like, is are? Do you even want this? Or are you just saying you want this? Because when you do get it, you know what I mean. It's like that stuff gets knocked down too, and it's like I, I, uh, I just sometimes I feel a little funny about that. That's that's part of it too. But I honestly feel like everybody looks at different artists a certain way. So you get typecasted as a, a type of rapper. So some people want growth from certain type of rappers. They don't want growth from other ones. So right. it doesn't it doesn't apply to everyone. Like ain't nobody don't nobody care if the Migos are growing. <laughs> but they want to see fan base don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and that's the music they cater to. Right. That, those are the people they cater to. But people want to see what's going on with Kendrick's like in Kendrick's life, what's going on in um Toby Nweekway and guys mm-hmm. like that. People like Kendrick, uh J. Cole. Uh people wanna see where their maturity lies. Nobody cares about if uh offset is getting it together, you know? <laughs> Take off is taking off mentally. Nobody cares. Which is why I think the growth argument is kind of it's, it's it's kind of overrated. Like I I enjoy growth. Like I, I really do. It's like I, I think what Kendrick gave us recently was was amazing. You know, I, I think that what other artists have given us in the past has has been just as amazing. But I do think I, critics kind of selectively apply or randomly apply that critique to certain artists unfairly. You know and. And then they don't do it with the artists that they just happen to like. Now, if you don't want to hear a rapper make album after album about selling drugs, cool. Just say, say I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear an album about selling drugs. I'm I'm kind of off that. Ain't nothing wrong right. with that. Like we we all we all get into a mental space where it's like, all right, I, I kind of want to hear something else. Maybe you should just stop listening to rap at that point. Maybe you should <laughs> try something else out. Yeah. I mean, try out some jazz or some red hot chili peppers. <laughs> I think I think that honestly you're onto something with that though because this is something I've noticed since you know the underground scene kind of exploded in like the early 2000s is that like there was there was underground and then there was mainstream and there was always kind of this internal struggle between like the backpack backpackers and the commercial rappers. However, you know the 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 birth of or the explosion of, of underground rap, you get a lot of these obscure, like super, super lyrical, rapidy, rapidy, rapidy type of dudes that don't make good songs. Like they just have these multi-syllabic flows that it sounds great, but it's not really saying anything. It's just like parlor tricks with with the uh, with the thesaurus. I can't talk tonight. Um, you you off that henny. I wish. <laughs> Try and catch my breath from the gym. Uh, um, and there's a lot of MCs that get they get a lot of shine because they're not talking about anything from a street perspective. So it is a little more relatable to their audience. People like, you know, like Apathy or um, Mike Shinoda was getting touted as like this super lyrical MC or, you know, Action Bronson and logic there's a theme here i think that it may not be as direct as the line that i'm drawing and and trying to draw your attention to but i think that that is a big part of it when it comes to this conversation about growth and maturity around mcn my two cents is 
that I think that rap is now popular enough and yep. influencing all these cultures enough yep. that people are able to be racist towards rap openly but covertly at the same time, if that makes sure. any sense. Like 100%. For, like, for example, one thing I've been noticing more now, this has always been an issue for uh, comics and sci fi movies and stuff like that. Even with Obi Wan Kenobi coming out, people had this poor old girl that's in there about, you know, racist trolls. You know what I'm saying? Because they had to deal with that, you know, before with Kelly Tran. So um, when you got a fan base that's like that, you got to be on the up and up. And now that rap is popular enough, and they have different quote unquote genres of rap drill rap and snap rap and coke rap and it's influencing enough people and what they listen to and how they view things especially since they think that it's going to fit um affect the youth and then those youth get some positions of power who they give jobs to you know what i'm saying yeah what type let's of be real though they don't care they about pass? the youth like general in a general sense it's not the youth like collectively these are white kids that you're talking about. Let's let's call a spade a spade here. Right. No, what I'm saying a better is, term. No, what I'm saying is because it's <laughs> right, right. No, no, seriously. Spade because, spade, for lack of a better term. Right. Because it's uh because those kids are gonna grow up and then have different political aspirations or vote differently. And now they see, you know, they got access to social media, they listen to the stuff and they see what, what black folks are going through. And now rap is real popular. This is the same thing that went on with Greece and Rome. You know what I'm saying? Rome may have mm. dominated Greece, but Greece had the culture on lock. Right. So That's Greece, a good never, analogy. Greece, Greece never went nowhere. So now what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, hey, rap is so popular now. We got to dip this in the bud. We got to start like like some of the comparisons, like you said, it ain't flying. And I've been seeing that in a lot of entertainment with minorities. Sure. Some of these critics saying like, like just like Turning Red came out on Disney Plus, right? And it was a white critic that said something about, I couldn't relate to this movie because I couldn't see myself in it. So the movie didn't make sense. Literally, that just means you lack perspective, bruh, clown. Bruh, <laughs> you look at a keyhole at life. You know what I'm saying? So, so it, it was like this is the dumbest thing. Bro, people came like came hard. How good the minority community has ever been so unified <laughs> as right. villainizing that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like it was all I could see on TikTok. I'm like, man, when it like okay, I get it, I get it. Like let me scroll up Tony <laughs> Baker. Like what is going on here? You know. So I think that's what the rap community is going through right now too. Where you're gonna it have people. Been. Right, right, but now because you have so much rap, there's mm -hmm. it's so prolific now. And you're talking about putting rappers in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, <laughs> clutch your pearls. You you know what I'm saying? So it's like, nah, we gotta we gotta nip this in the bud. You got black people over here hosting, you know, country country grammar stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like, what is what is going on? So I think you're gonna have more and more people who are gonna have harder critiques around. Yeah, With, so without without the the value of having actual perspective of what this culture really exactly. is, like we can look at and exactly. listen to what is quote negative 
you know, rap. Like, I guess we can go back, keep going back to Pusha T, and I, I'll speak on that because I actually enjoy his music. I fully understand that the selling of cocaine to a poor community is destructive. I know that he knows it when he when he wrote it, but I also understand that the actual selling of dope to poor communities is much more problematic than somebody saying, hey, I used to sell dope and I'm good at it and now I'm getting money from it and here's a creative way for me to express that. Like there's no actual danger there. But I understand that because I can look, because I, you know, I'm embedded in the culture enough to know the difference between real and perceived danger. Embedded in the culture, you live here. Right. Right. <laughs> you right. got binoculars like real window you live here right. you know you from here <laughs> you know and that's the thing that people be killing me it's like like bro you don't even come from here like what right. are you like oh ian did i send you that um um that's what did i send you ian that, that link that said future greatest rapper of all time or some nonsense oh remember uh, i sent you that like a month or so ago yeah, yeah i was like what is this like is this satire is this from the onion like what, what is this you know he's selling he's selling a story to the same you know group of people that we're discussing now right exactly because for, because I, I like the binoculars analogy you use from a distance it may look like that because if all i know about rap or hip-hop is what's exposed to me through iHeartMedia and tiktok then yeah youtube probably is the greatest rapper that's 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 what's making it to the top. That's a bold claim with Jay Z and Nas still being no alive. doubt, no <laughs> doubt about it. No that doubt was, about that it. was that was that was clickbait. But like, it it, I, I think I think I think y'all are, are definitely like hitting on something with like the the selective you know criticisms. Like, but that being said, I I do think growth is good, but it, it is hard to come by when you got dudes in there, you know, staring at forty or in their late thirties. Rapping with dudes constantly 10 years younger than them. And the older, these older cats, they've been millionaires most of their adult lives, and no one is saying no to them. So why would a right. dude like that ever grow? What what growth is is a dude who lives that lifestyle ever gonna ever gonna really experience and be able to speak to? You know, and that's that's kind of some of the critiques I've been hearing about future. You know, with his latest album, like, okay, yeah, Future just did what Future does. And, you know, um, you know, I they, they Future's been called the patron saint of F-Boys, you know. And if 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 you are, like, 40 and, like, Future's music just resonates in your soul, you know what I mean? You got some problems. You probably got some issues to work out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, future is future. You're just a regular nigga living your everyday life. <laughs> you know. And, and future is a sucker anyway. He just got bread, so it, it it's it's it works for him. <laughs> yep. But but that being said, I, I do think growth is important, even though it might be overrated in some instances, because you know, without the genre challenging itself, you know, much like uh, you know, I, I hate to keep bringing them up, much like Kendrick did on his latest album, you know. You're going to see more and more veterans just walking away from it. Like, you know, ain't really nothing here for me anymore. A la Andre 3000. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, a la Yasin Bay. You know, it's, it's, and it's, 
that's why I, I still think growth is important but at the same time you kind of sometimes people got to go out on top though i don't i don't blame andre 2000 at all like what they say in the dark night either die a hero or live long enough to be the villain <laughs> right you know what i'm saying yeah. andre 3000 going out what he did and then doing you know um you know pre, uh being on other people's stuff i think that was great <laughs> i think that was great because i don't think we have a generation that's going to be able to accept him the way we accepted them because we were growing looking for growth and he was there growing you know what i'm saying i actually think dre is tailor-made for this generation like when he started wearing the genie pants and wigs and, and you know he was looking at him sideways he survived it all because he was dope now that's what they do <laughs> yeah yeah you're right but let's not also let's not also forget this too. Ultimately, the hip hop game is a business, right? So, yeah. so I guess it's a it's a it's a business and it's a job and a career. But you have some people where it's more than just that. So it seems like the ones where it's more than just that, those are the ones we kind of want to see growth from. And it's not like we like we're demanding it. It's just refreshing to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, it's all about the business. They're gonna they're gonna pull out, push out this music, make some money off of it, try to stay as uh, visible and relevant as they can, and make as much money as they can before they phase out. Some people, they aren't victims to the uh, the finances of it. And then some people, they they do what they have to. Be, until they are no longer victims and then they start growing. So I think it's, it's based off of what type of artist. Like, are you there for the art or are you there for the business side of it to make yeah. money? When you talk about the business side of it, you know, the business and art often clash. You know, we, we've, yeah. we've heard this over and over again, you know, and somebody like a like an Andre 3000 had the foresight to kind of look at the landscape of, 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 the, of the genre at a certain point and be like, you know what? I see where this is going. I'm not going to be welcome here after a while. So, you know what I mean? Let me let me take my leave, you know, but I, all in all, I, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. You know, gr gr growth is important and growth looks different for different artists, you know, and um, certain people kind of use the growth excuse, you know, to kind of knock down something that they don't necessarily uh, identify with sometimes. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Know. But uh, but yeah, that was that was a good discussion. That was a good discussion. There's going to be a part two of this because I got a I found a list on the internet. It was called the top five hip hop songs about being washed. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And they had they picked some good songs. Man. They picked some good songs. A couple of them are some of my favorites because I'm washed. <laughs> man. Oh man. But uh, let's let's move right along to our next topic, man. The TV show Atlanta. Um, Marcellus, I know you're an avid fan. Um, Jamil and Vince, I, I never heard y'all sound off on it on the show. Are you, you are you guys fans? I'm messed with Atlanta heavy. Um, I have not watched season three at all though, so I may uh, like tap out because I don't want nothing spoiled for me. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I haven't seen the last season, but I love Atlanta, man. It's yeah, I love it, man. But I, I, I intentionally it. didn't watch it yet because I just it, it's it requires some absorption, so I can just kind of watch it on my own terms. I don't want to watch it along with everybody else and have to deal with yeah. people's commentary. 
Yeah, really. and, and also, yeah, and also a deep season. Yeah, when I, when I saw, because it's been a what was it, three, four years between the seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I do want to see it, but like, when I was looking at all of the main actors, all of them have done so much. Yeah, they've blown but up since. They season. all of them have done so much to the point where it seems like. Their characters won't even do them justice anymore. Like they, they have, they, their careers have surpassed what what the, what what it was for their personality. I mean, not the personality, but their characters on the show. Well, let me say this: watch season three because they they peel back more layers to their to their characters. Okay. Um, and I'm going I'm to try my best not to spoil season three. I, I take it you all have seen season one and two already. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll I, I try my best not to spoil season three. Season I mean, you could, no, no, no. I have, I think, I think having the, the actual conversations intended to it makes sense. I could, I could turn my sound off for a moment <laughs> and, and jump back in. No, no, I think no, it's good. No, for, no, I think no, it's good no, for no, the no. audience. I'm not okay. Okay, no, I, I don't think you'll need to do that. I was just going to ask Marcellus what overall. What did you think of season three? Because it's it season three has been somewhat divisive, you know, because it's not a season that pushes the narrative along greatly, but it's still very. It's still a great season. Like it's 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 and it is their most left field season. So what did you think of it? Did you like it? Were you were you kind of lukewarm on it? Like, like, what was what was your take on season three? So for me, season three is definitely the most heavy handed as far as social commentary goes, because half the episodes, the main cast wasn't even in, you know, they directly focused on something from, you know, social commentary. So it's like, okay, like like you, you really, when you're watching those episodes, it's like, this is this isn't what I'm. <laughs> this is not what I'm used to, you know. Because <laughs> um, uh, it was in with them being in Europe. One thing I really appreciated about them being in Europe on the tour because they on tour with Clark County from the end right. of season two, right? So they are in Europe, and they actually increased the cast and reduced the cast at the same time which I thought was genius because half the episodes will be the four main characters we're used to between Ern, Al, Darius, and Van, right? Then the other half of the episodes is a completely different crew of people completely talking about um, social, political, socio-political issues that's affecting them and not show regular cast in it at all. So if it's, you know, what is it, uh, eight episodes no it's ten episodes yeah half those episodes five of those episodes you don't even see the regular group yeah they're hitting you that hard with social commentary and some of the stuff is dead on the nose and some of the stuff is like cultural perspective like hey if you're in the black community you probably heard about this but if not you probably don't you know but if you're in the white community this is going to be familiar to you and if you're not in some rich white community, you've never seen this before. Because some of the stuff that they was talking about, I was like, hmm, let me Google this. You know, like, like Jamil was saying, like, some of this, like, wait a minute, I, I gotta, 
I gotta Google this when this episode is over. Like I had never seen it from you know that perspective. But season three was a great season. But it, it reminds me of Kendrick Lake's album. Like he's got something to say, and it's 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 hitting you hard in the face like Tyson in the in his prime. Like it's gonna say, you know, yeah. Like some stuff for, like we were talking about earlier today, in like season one, season two, it may have been subtle, but season three is in your face. Like you're not missing a. It is, but it, it maintains some subtlety. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, they do ramp up some of the heavy-handed messaging, but they also there's, there's certain things, certain things. At least I I noticed and I thought were pretty subtle, um, like the uh, Trinity to the Bone episode, which Trinity to the Bone, bro. which the the funeral scene, where the funeral yeah. scene where yeah. the guy told the uh, visitors the yeah. he was like, you know, this is how this we is how sad. We this is how man and i I thought that that was like genius because it's like different cultures grieve different Different ways ways. right you know and for us sometimes grieving is getting all that ugly stuff out too and 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 the negative feelings too and sometimes other cultures aren't used to that you know and i thought that was a very subtle and you know important point and then um I the the very first episode of season three where we get introduced to White Urn. Um, I, I love the way they opened it because I was I thought I was watching a wrong show at first. I'm like, I'm like, what am I watching? And then they go into the main story, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, why does this seem so familiar to me? Why does this seem so familiar to me? And then I remember my wife told me of an account that played out like that episode Mm -hmm. and i was like yo i do remember this and like for don i don't know if it was donald glover or his his partner hyro who wanted to tell that story but it was a story that got like a very brief blurb in the news cycle four years ago and then it just went away Mm -hmm. literally after like 24 hours and i was like yo more people need to be talking about this this is this was terrible that first episode covered like two, three different things. Right. And it, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of like a how to not be an ally type episode, you know, like, you know, and, and I, I thought there was a lot of subtle stuff in that, in that episode, you know, that, you know, it, we, we see, okay, yeah, he's got some issues with his family where he comes from and like, you, you're thinking like, okay, well, maybe he will be better off with these and then you quickly see it play out and you're like wait a minute like just because the way somebody came up is different doesn't necessarily make it worse or better and i thought that was a great episode that illustrated that and then when you consider the fact it was based on a true story and a you know a real life tragedy it's just like it hit even harder you know and it and it touched on the inequities in the system you know my, my wife works with kids and she talks about how black and brown kids are routinely they're more separated from their parents quicker than their white counterparts you know and and that's what happened in the real life account as well you know the the boy was being kept by his aunt and she let his mom his biological mom watch him because she had to go to work and didn't have another babysitter which was a violation of the her guardianship agreement and they sent the boy to go live with you know who he had to live with so you know stuff like that i think are, are very important stories to tell and i'm glad that they're using the vehicle of the show to tell them because 
you know, you're not going to see this stuff, you know, on at least I'm not seeing it on other shows. It's like, yeah, you do have other black shows that are kind of following their lead, Atlanta's lead and breaking the mold, you know, shows like, um, you know, Insecure or, you know, I'm trying to think of any others, but there's really none other like yeah, there's really no. there's, like there's no show like when we went to when you think about season one of Atlanta, you know when I knew season one of let's see what Atlanta uh, was gonna be about is when they had a black Justin Bieber. Right. <laughs> when they had that black Justin Bieber, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This ain't this ain't real. Like but it but it is, but it ain't. And then as they slowly start developing the show and I was like like when they had the invisible car, I was like, I was just man. gonna say that <laughs> it was a while for that, and then for it to pop back up later, too. <laughs> I was like, Wait a minute, is it what is this show? Like, what is this? So then, like, so when you went to season two, and they were still doing stuff that you could relate to, but they was doing stuff that, like, I said, you wouldn't like, it's not real. That whole Teddy Perkins episode, I'm like. You know, yeah, um, I got some thoughts on that. I got some thoughts on hey, that. I think Teddy Perkins might be really than we think. No, but I'm saying the I, I, the way that they do it, it helps you see that this is not how it would go down. You know, right? I think it was right. interesting even in season two, the first episode with Alligator Man, that Darius and I'm gonna get on that. I'm gonna get on that. I just wanted to say real quick when when I knew the the moment I knew Atlanta was going to be different was the scene where it's it's in the pilot episode the scene where Ern is at work and <clears throat> his his older female coworker is getting the commission and she starts to gesturing behind the dude that I knew then I'm like oh I'm gonna like this show like this is something different and I need to be <laughs> I need to be dialed in for this like that was the moment I knew it was different but. And then, the, and then, and then the subtlety too. I love the subtlety, like, like when they got arrested when when the shooting went down in season one, and Van is watching the report on TV, and they show Arn, the only picture they had of Arn was his own. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, what's wild about that is those are the subtleties that, like, it's an inside joke almost. With the audience, if you, if you if you get it, you get it. Right, and right, right. If you if you watching this from a distance, you don't necessarily get the significance of that being the, the only image they have. And the thing right. I appreciate about season one is they're obviously portraying caricatures of the black community. Yes. And the way Boondocks does, but if you're not from the black community, that's not how you see it. Like, like we was having a conversation, you know, Ian, Ian was like, oh, man, Cell is definitely earned. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I am. Oh, for sure. Especially when he was in jail and he was out of place. Bruh. <laughs> that Bruh. was going to be the one I said that that kind of solidified it for me. When one man was like, oh, yeah, that's my girl. It's my ex-girl. It's like, yo, ex-girl. Nigga, that's a man. Nigga, that's a man. No, no, the first episode was so but like I said, I didn't realize that it was surreal until I some of the things I saw, like when they was doing the, uh, like I said, with the invisible car and stuff like that. I was like, okay, this show, it, like this, this is not, on, this is not based on our reality. This is based on a different reality. 
So then when they did season three and some of the stuff they did in season three, I was like, okay, I think it's interesting y'all doing this stuff when the crew is out of the country. So now we gotta wait till season four to see what the effects of the things that happened in season three are gonna be on this Atlanta world. You know what I mean? Well, you haven't seen season three. Yo, you, you may not understand what I'm saying, but I know you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Can I? Can I? I'm wondering because I'm I'm listening to the commentary and I wonder, are they potentially transitioning to go away from the main four and just kind of expanding on the world? Where you know we was looking at Atlanta through the lens of the four that we know, mm-hmm. and it sounds to me like by bringing on these new people, it allows for the show to continue. Because um, Atlanta is bigger than you know a handful of uh, a handful of people, right? Um, and then having that worldview expand to these other folks, we still get to keep the show. Honestly, despite the like real life business that has to come along with it because I'm quite sure to try to get you know Brian and Lakeith and uh and uh, uh Donald Glover and um Zazzy like that's 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 got the cost <laughs> at this point yeah. but I think like, yeah. you could you could do it for the love but that's a lot of bridge to talk about. <laughs> the the four of them together is what's keeping the show on the air because you mentioned Fair. earlier what's to Jamil's earlier, point I do see a scenario where, where, where the way season three is playing out, where they kind of branch off because I, I got this in my notes, but I was about to say like the episodes where I've learned, I feel like I'm picking up the most are the episodes that center around Paperboy. Oh, oh, you mean in season one and two, or you mean in uh, season three? All, all, all of the above, all of the above. But you, 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 they dive a little deeper to me with the Paperboy episodes, with the episodes oh, that revolve around him. So the white fashion episode yeah and the um dude <laughs> the, the one where he was on a trip oh for sure. on the drug Indeed. trip yeah uh-huh <clears throat> you know so i could to jamil's to answer jamil's question i could see that i could see them kind of spreading out and all their stories are still being told under the umbrella of the atlanta show mm-hmm. but it branches off into different things i i could easily see that and it would still be enjoyable be awesome if they did season if season five was their last season and they showed what was going on with the crew in the background of other stuff that would be fantastic to me that would be awesome because they do it in marvel shows all the time where like right you know different different stuff where you see movie posters or commercials or whatever you know what i mean that that would be awesome and they have the talent to do it yeah they do yeah the yeah the, the, the writing really, is on point paint. The and soundtrack is on point. Like the songs, the songs, songs that they dig in the crates for are like amazing, man. It's like I'd be having to pull out Shazam. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I mean the, the the cinematography, the camera work, the angles, everything is like just masterful, you know, and 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 on purpose, you know. But um, <clears throat> I wanted to. Uh, but, but what do you? How do you feel when you hear people say like, "Oh, Atlanta's ahead of its time"? Because I don't think it's ahead of his time. I think it's right. It's on time. It's on time. It's it's it's, it's ahead of you. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? I, I, there you go. Like I don't I don't want to say that to people. Yes, I do because I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you just might not have caught it. That don't mean it's ahead of its time. You just need to catch up. Yeah, because it's like man, we're 
we're, we're 20 years in and it's like after 20 years it's like black people are just now coming to terms with the fact that like Tyler Perry movies ain't really that good you know and it's right, like right people, <laughs> people are just now coming to terms with that so you take a a, a a black filmmaker who you know to his credit worked hard and everything and and gave people what they wanted but like man does his material lack any type of subtlety and like you get that in waves in Atlanta and it's like two people could watch the same episode or three people and draw three different conclusions get something, yeah get something different out of it right mm-hmm. right Dude, so you know what season one and season two over like yeah. the last five days and got something completely different from the show which we was talking about earlier yeah you know so just you, I don't even know you can make something that deep nowadays. I think people just too busy trying to get the funds. They're just trying to get the bag, and I ain't mad at for it. But it's like, okay, then I can't, I can't mess with you like that. You know, I'm here for the entertainment, and then I'm gonna kick you to the curb when I'm done with you. I'm not gonna, dude. I hardly ever, hardly ever rewatch a show. Well, so I don't want to waste my time. But that's how deep Atlanta is. I hate. Me personally, I'm not trying to put a spin on the thing, but like when I do watch it, I'm going to be looking at Lakeith and uh, Paperboy differently because of certain things they've done before (laughs) before the season came out, you know. The key, the key. You talking about certain roles and pictures? Yeah, certain role, certain roles and certain photo shoots. Yeah, right. And uh, that's just we getting we getting conspiracy events tonight. Nah, I ain't. <laughs> nah, hey, if, if it was conspiracy events, then it's like, well, they um they about to start making some real money. <laughs> but now, nah, like in that um in that Marvel movie that uh I forget the guy's name, but Paperboy was in. Yeah, that, that, that just yeah that wasn't even necessary like it, it's hard to not go into conspiracy theory mode like that whole scene there was no point in doing that yes it was. He's, it was. A, he's a, he's a yeah. really big black dude like they could have yeah. made that that could have made that anybody am i just in observing that movie it would have made much more sense for um i can never think of how to pronounce this man's name but the uh, South Asian actor, the one that had the the valet, because he's a little effeminate anyway in his mannerisms. That would have made much more sense. Yeah, that's, boy. That's right. the point. Is, like, okay, exactly. So the it, point. The point is the big black dude. We got to soften it. Yeah, I get all of that too. But okay, so the character is what the character is. Right. Sure. But they didn't have to have that scene right at the end. Like that it, it seemed it seemed it, it was so unnecessary. Like, okay, y'all together like that, okay. But that little useless scene, like it didn't add or take away from the movie at all when when he kissed him in the mouth. Like that 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 was not necessary at all. Um and Lakeith I think, and I the, think that's the that's the point. Proving the point, what you right. said. Right. You're not just you proving the point that if that was that was the entire. Agreed. Right. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. I don't. I don't feel. Maybe I'm just desensitized. I don't feel as icky about it as some people. You know what I mean? Uh, I it's probably that. You know, he's an actor who he wants, he wants to do certain roles and that entails certain things sometimes. And yeah, I think yeah. they clout right now is 
that's one of the reasons why they can do whatever the crap they want with Atlanta. Because these dudes, they sat back and made Emmy award winning everything else. They came back, they came together. I mean, Zazzy is on what? Two? You know, she did yeah. other shows. I mean, Joker. In with, uh, right, she was in Joker. She was in um, she, the Black Cowboy. The Black Messiah. Right, yep. right. You know, so. Deadpool. I mean, He's killing everything he touches. Same thing with uh, uh, Brian Henry and, you know, Redbone. You, you know what I mean? So, like, just everything uh, he's, he's touching is blowing up to like King Midas. And I think that's more come back to Donald Glover in general. I think he kind of has a blank check from Hollywood, or at least he had. And so I think just from the beginning of it, you know the the acclaim that he has in that industry just kind of allowed for Atlanta to do what they would, and then when everybody else blew up on top of that, mm-hmm. it's a it's a no brainer, right? It's like, yeah, we well, go. did you hear how he how he kind of had the Trojan horse to show to get it picked up? Oh, I believe that he 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 basically the way the pilot runs that that you know how they spend a lot of time on the couch. Mm-hmm. He basically tried to make it seem as if like, oh, like it's we're going to be sitting on the couch a lot, just like in France. And and they were like, OK, let's do it, because they were thinking that the show was going to be more on that end. And then right. once they got in there, they just did their own thing, you know. But had he went in like, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to have these standalone episodes that are going to be oh, like they never going movies. back. They, yeah, they would have never signed off on that. They would have mm-hmm. never signed off on that, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta and a couple of the other shows that's getting more uh, quote unquote correct slash incorrect uh, is one of the reasons why Fox sold the entertainment division. Interesting. You know oh, I didn't saying? know that. Yeah, yeah, Fox is owned by uh, Disney now. Disney, yeah. Yeah, that's how The Simpsons oh, is that's on. Right. That's how The Simpsons is on Disney Plus. That's right. And I the Marvel movies on Disney Plus, like Fox, still exists. They sold the entertainment division because right. because I think the entertainment division is going in the opposite direction of their p- political affiliations. Mm, okay, I which I always found to be wildly interesting because Bro, that whole network was built off the backs of black people. Tell me about it. Tell that's so I was like, huh? So you're going to give Atlanta to Disney? Interesting. So, so now, you know, even they talked about using the pronouns at Disney World and people in Florida was having a fit about that. So it was like, oh, this is going to be funny. I can't wait to see what John Oliver and Trevor Noah say about this. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you right. Know? Like, this is going to be hilarious. So, wow. like I said, uh, they gonna, they gonna, I, think, I think because they blew up and they already got to end with Marvel between Zazie and Brian Henry. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They already got to end with Marvel. So, and Donald Glover. Oh yeah, he was a Spider Man. He's a Spider Man. So and he's like, done done some other work with them. Like he was in Spider Man, but he was also um he a voice of somebody on one of their shows? One of the Marvel shows. I believe there was a um there was a, a plan for him to do a Deadpool show that got scrapped. But right, he was re- also um yeah. him and his brother were pretty big in uh, Black Panther also as, as writers. So they they in there. They're like they're definitely plugged into that universe. 
Oh yeah, then they could probably do Atlanta for as long as they want. I would. I'm, I mean, I'm not even saying that facetiously. I mean that literally. Yeah. Like Atlanta only made a hundred dollars out of you know season six. That's all right with season. Right. <laughs> I mean, because there's a home for it. Like streaming is right. everything. It is. It like there's nothing that's not available. All these failed shows or shows the last season and a half, they're on some streaming platform because there's an audience for it. True. Yeah. Yeah, but shout out to Atlanta, man. For it's it's a show that's about it's about nothing, but it's about everything. everything at the same yeah, time. Like, that's the beauty of it, right, it's, man? It's so I wanted special. to ask, I wanted to ask you all. I, I know this is probably hard to do, considering how many good episodes they have. But what were your personal top five favorite Atlanta episodes? Well, I, I'll go first because I got like I can't say five. Cause like I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the uh, seasons in a while. And um, and just to be clear, my top five doesn't include any episodes from season three. Not saying I did not enjoy season three, but right, yeah, my top five are from definitely from season one and two. Yeah. Well, I got I got three for you. Okay. So the the alligator episode. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I mean that's just the cameo acting. <laughs> The cameo acting was it was just so I mean I was on the edge of my seat watching didn't it. Feel, didn't it feel believable? Yeah, yeah. But like you have you ever have you ever watched something and then you realize like you are leaning forward into the TV? Right. <laughs> yeah, man, is that's that that one? The Juneteenth one? Mm. That was that was I was wondering weird. if somebody it, was gonna bring that that one up. That was interesting, just the dynamics and the things that were going on. Now, I do have the extra I will add when uh the Drake the Drake episode when he oh, was there. Um she just she messed her whole life up <laughs> going there. Um <laughs> but it was it was just interesting to see it unfold. And then the very last one is when dude was in that mansion with that weird guy. I forget his name, you know. Teddy oh, Perkins. Yeah, Perkins. That, that, that right there. That was so eerie. I was on the edge yeah. of my seat with that too. Like, this is the creepiest. This is just so quietly creepy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but you know what I picked up from that episode, aside from it being a, a miniature horror movie, was that when he's about to kill Darius and like Darius is telling him, like, hey man, like, you know, I know what you went through and you know, he was saying something about like it helped him become a better musician or something and made him who he was. And and Darius told him, like, man, not everything has to be about pain. Like, love, he was like, love yeah. is enough. Yeah. 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 It's like, man, like that, that provided a new layer of Darius to me, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I thought that say, was. Darius is the modern day ghetto philosopher. Like, if you just watch all of Darius's scenes, he even. Oh, he's dropping jewels the whole time saying something extremely profound even if it sounds like some of the dumbest mess you've ever heard but he's still saying something extremely profound yep. just, yeah I think that's what Pete Stanfield bringing that out too you say you think he's bringing it out absolutely I mean the, the, uh, the dialogue is what it is but Pete Stanfield is incredible in just about everything that he does so I, I think that's a big part of why we're able to get kind of that dichotomy out of Darius because he he can play the fool, but he you know 
all while dropping jewels. Yep. Cause I no knock to that to anybody else in the show, but I think Darius is the only one that can be played by Lakeith Stanfield. I think everybody else could be acted by some somebody else, maybe not to the same degree, maybe mm-hmm. work a little differently. You know, Earn being the black nerd and Al being the thug. It's like, so what? But right. they got deeper episodes. You know what I'm saying? So then right. it's like, okay, now I can see why y'all, why y'all are the way y'all are in these shows. Like season one, I can see the other people. By the time season two kick around, I'm like, nah, they, this this rule for people. people. This is y'all. This y'all role. This right. is y'all role before y'all. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All right, man. Good list, Vince. I was wondering if somebody was gonna bring up the Juneteenth episode. Cause um, yeah, I like that one. You know, listening to that that white man, you know what I mean, trying to explain to black people what they should what they should care about. <laughs> in terms of like cringe. Oh, and then yeah. he had the nerve to say, "You ain't going to Africa, Bruh, I almost punched my own TV. Like, fight. Ernest, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, bro. No. <laughs> like, like, no, you ain't got no. You can't just be popping up going to Africa. He somebody <laughs> optometrist, like." <laughs> Dude looking like he's making like eight figures a year. Talking about yeah, optometry. Like, okay, optometry. So <laughs> all right, Jamil, I'm I'm gonna swing it to you. Um, did you have five favorite episodes? Uh and that was tough. I'm gonna go with I'm I'm looking at the list now because I have them in my brain, but I just don't remember which like where they where they laid out. But I'm gonna go with the, the pilot episode. Okay. Um also in episode one, uh, episode one, season one, I think it's like episode three or four when uh, Ernie and Van go out on that, go out to that restaurant and we get to meet the Migos in that episode also. <laughs> 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 and the reason why that's probably the Migos one of my favorites. Because <laughs> I didn't know nothing about the Migos, you know, prior to Atlanta. And I, um, you know, I was late to the party also with that. Like when it got too big, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, like I said about season three, I'll just catch it on my own terms. So it's funny to see that. And I, I guess that was kind of their intro, broad introduction to the world. So I thought that was pretty cool to go back and see that. Uh, the, the Drake episode, like, like man said, man, uh, messed up, messed up. Teddy Perkins, definitely. Is that, that takes me to four, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like Alligator Man should be it, but I don't know if I want to. It's tough, man, because it it really ain't no misses. There ain't. It, it ain't. It ain't. Um, like the most terrible episodes is still a fantastic episode. Right. That's, that's saying a lot. I don't think I said that since like Star Trek Next Generation. I don't say that. Usually I'm like, this episode is terrible. I'm not watching it. You know? I, I think I might go with the, the haircut episode. When, uh, barbershop. Oh, yeah, the barbershop. <laughs> like, yo, that nigga was making me mad the whole time. Man, that was getting so heated, man. Bruh, bruh, bruh. Bibby, 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 Bibby. Now, I tell you, man, I tell you what, I tell you what, you do this for me, man, I'll give you some Zaxby. Like Zaxby's? Don't be rude. Of course I love Zaxby. How many crimes did this dude commit in one? That's a testament to good acting and good writing, though, to get you emotionally connected. Because, 
like you've in, in a small dosage you've seen that in your life so oh, that's man. why you're so connected sure. to it like man what is would you just <laughs> would you just just cut my hair yeah. like, I made an appointment you talking about I, hey man I got to run out real quick I gotta make a stop I'll be right back like hey yo nigga I'm, I'm here like my appointment is <laughs> 7 it's already a quarter to 8 bruh the, 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 the realism and the absurdity of that barbershop so hilarious oh my I think goodness. it's just the, the I was mad the first time it. I seen it right it's the absurdity it, 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 it graduates from anger to like like Yo, just, suspended just, disbelief like I can't believe it going through all way again. Man, for real and then he gave huh? him used Zaxby's like I chicken wings but <laughs> I'm getting angry I'm getting angry going over the, the show the episode in my head right now man for the stolen so lumber and the hidden hidden run. <laughs> oh, you mean he drove off on that woman? She was yelling. Power went out. Power went out in the house. The uh, girl was full of wind. Just the water was gone. Just dude, some of the some of the casting choices that they made, like like Johnny in the jail episode. Like, where is that dude at? Because wait, which episode? Johnny in the in the jail episode in season one when they went to jail because of the shoot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where is that dude at? <clears throat> Cause him finding out that his girl was a dude, he's surrounded by all these homophobic people while simultaneously they telling him what the rules are to being gay and black. Like, no, we was we was in jail. Right. You know, so we we could whatever, you know. Like man, y'all blank booty holes up in here anyway. No, nah, that's that's just jail. That's just jail. On the outside, like, like oh, you got, <laughs> oh, you got rules to this, huh? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, that Afro surrealism we was talking it, about. Yeah, right, exactly. And and it's like like the act, the level of acting that dude did in that episode. Same thing with Bibi. Dude, that acting his butt off. Yeah, I'm like, this, yeah this everybody guy. knows a Bibi. It's got to be a real barber, but um, <laughs> but but Marcellus, I'm I'm gonna swing it over to you. What what were your favorite five Atlanta episodes? Okay, so I'm gonna split it in the two categories, like one for hilarity, and I'm only doing season one, and two. one for hilarity, and one for like depth. Okay, because that that jail episode had dying and the um <clears throat> the um let's see here season two with the barbershop obviously and which which one was was it north of the border when they went to uh what's the face to the pajama um, party the pajama jam yeah and that dude tracy dude <laughs> <laughs> everybody, you, just like everybody know a baby, everybody know a Tracy. Everybody knows a Tracy. If you don't, you are him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Dude, that episode. What now? Granted, that's a deep episode too. That's one of those turning points in um, Alan Alan Earns' relationship because. Earn screwed that whole thing up. He's trying to pass the buck to somebody he doesn't respect. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And Tracy is like, he is who he is. 
and him whooping earn like if you've ever been in that situation and i've been in a similar situation where you and your boy get into it with like a third party but y'all still got something to do later and y'all just have to just man it freak up and still go do your mess so them getting out the car earn getting whooped by tracy and then them getting back in the car was just so symbolic to me because it was hilarious but it's just so symbolic of what we go through as black people mm, you're you on your way <clears throat> right you're on your way to do whatever you're trying to do in your life right a series of events may have you go against the people that you're rolling with but you that that's how you deal with it. and just like you said in season three with Trinity to the bone this is how we express this anger you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And see, I took something totally different from that episode, but I, I I get on that later. So, so like I said, north of the border, even though it was deep, it was more hilarious to me because of because I, I'm earned, and I know people that's exactly like Tracy, and I swear I want to just drop kick you in the dome every time I see you. But you got a hundred <laughs> pounds on me, and you're from the streets, and you then went through X Y Z. And I know you're gonna turn me into a Ruby's cube, so I mind my business. You know what I'm saying? I got <laughs> stuff to live for. You know what I mean? And and the Tracys I know, they about that life, and I'm not. <laughs> you know, real real talk. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know. So it's like, but when you in that situation, constantly drilling you in the face, that's what it feels like all the time. You know. So it's just so. But as far as deep episodes go. My top three deepest episodes was with um let's see dan <laughs> dan was so meta and they told you so i don't know how they dug into the depth of black culture from so many perspectives in that 30 minute episode because they showed you what black people buy why they buy it how they buy it they showed you that you have people <laughs> in your own culture that's constantly trying to go against you make something from nothing even when two sides that were opposing you'd agree like al and old girl was, was going against each other and al was like yeah and just freedom of speech you know and she was like oh yeah you're right and then the host will try to keep it going like no you you the moderator you're not in the conversation. You moderate the conversation between those two parties, but now you're trying to kick some mess off. And I seen the exact same type of interview with Trevor Noah in this black fish one. It's like a nine, 10 minute interview on YouTube. It's like she's trying to kick up some stuff, but you don't understand the perspective because he's talking about stuff that he said to American audiences. And obviously Trevor Noah is, is, a, is a smart dude. So he's not falling for the bait that she putting down. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it like that episode to me, even with the commercials and the way they shot the commercials in the episode, was just really, really layered. So then on season two, talking about um, the woods, mm. it had been a year since Big Boy's mom had died. And now he about to blow up. And his mom's not around, so he's having these hallucinations. And even in that episode, we don't know if 
he's talking to himself after he gets jumped or the dude in the woods is real. Mm. You know I, I took it as he was inside of his own mind. That's, oh, how, sure. I That's how I took That's it. That's how I oh, took sure. it. But they never gave you that. that it wasn't definitive. Yeah. Right, right, right. Especially like, is he really in the woods after he got jumped or is he not in the woods? And if he is in the woods, what is he seeing? And what is he telling himself when he says you need to get out of the woods? You know what I'm saying? Is he talking about getting out of his confusion and getting some clarity? Because the next few episodes after that, he started clearing stuff up between him and him and uh, Ern. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So it was almost like uh, internal part of himself was saying that you need to get out of whatever your deep issues are and, and solve some problems. So then in season three, you see the results of what happened in the woods. And I'm not going to go into that. Y'all have to watch that. But another deep episode that really hit me hard was FUBU. Mm, I was wondering mm. if somebody was going to bring up FUBU. was so relatable to me because I was the nerd. And I went through a period of time where I wanted to be a cool guy. And I would wear FUBU. Oh. Well, I didn't know if it was real. So now that they went through this whole episode trying to show what was going on between the dynamic of Ern and, and um, him being cool and Ern and Al, as we early in season one, how many times did Al, Al say, now nah, I got to bail you out again? So that means that this is a problematic, this is a systemic situation with these two. So now at the end of Boo, this dude, this kid wants to kill himself, which is talking about the mental health state of minorities it also is showing that the, the girl that was in the episode who's obviously lately obvious that she's got some kind of bipolar issues she's got a white teacher that don't understand her she's trying to make it look like oh she just got an attitude right right you, you know what i'm saying when it when it's blatantly obvious this kid got some bipolar issues you know yeah, that's so, that's kind of a recurring theme with this show. Um, oh, mental health is for show, especially you know, even with the jail episode. Oh, dude, it was like, oh, he always did it. Like, don't he need help? Right, like, exactly. It's just like, nigga, shut up. Like, right, you know. And then he just gets beat, well, beat up by the cops again. But, right, right, right. Yeah, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I was wondering if somebody was gonna bring up Fubu. Fubu, because like I, said, I just saw Fubu today. I just finished up my shows today. So. Uh, one crabs in a barrel. So, like I said, it, that 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 mess hit me like, oof, that's deep. Because, like, so you got all these BIPOC kids that don't have no folks don't understand. Them. Yeah, they don't have the resources, you right. know, to, right. let alone the know how to look out for that type of stuff. But even you know. if they had the resources, you can't access. You're, the only way for you to access the resources is usually through people that don't get. Because they're from a generation that say you need to suck it up, get over it. Maybe you need some more weapons. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, no. Right. Like, emotionally, something's not clicking. Serotonin ain't working. The dopamine ain't working. Something ain't working. You know what I'm saying? For a variety of reasons. It's genetics, it's, you know, nature versus nurture, your environment, what's going on. But like I said, in, in the, the gatekeeper for the one girl was a white teacher. Which is often the case, for real. And and, and your your it, your gatekeeper can be the white teacher, or as you just mentioned, the black parents who don't 
don't, don't see that there's a need. And I won't even go so far as to say that they don't see a need. I think that there's legitimate fear there because, there's I mean, most pa- most parents are, are concerned about, you know, am I doing right by my child? You know, I'm, I'm making the best decisions <laughs> that I can, but you worry about that. So then the idea that my child may need, you know, therapy, you take it personal when really it ain't got nothing necessarily to do with you. Right. And and FUBU helps remind me too, the generation my parents come from, they were raised by a generation of people who did not have good connections with the medical community. At all. You know, the medical community today, still in 2022, is still viewing black women as having a higher pain tolerance than white women. Mm-hmm. 2022. Which is ridiculous. You, you know, so they're not even regarded as equal humans. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for Earn to sit back and come in the in the house and his mom <laughs> said, I got you another food shirt, which he will now permanently associate with a black kid's suicide. And for him to pause and then go, thanks, says a lot to me because it says that that's not a section of his life that he's going to be willing to open up about. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's unfortunately part of the black community. So like I said, it was there was so many layers to that because they're kids. You know what I'm saying? These are children yeah. and they're looking like adults have to be able to help. Them. And then you look at the the adults they showed in those episodes and what those adults represent they represent authorities they represent positions of power they represent people that you're supposed to love and care about but how are those people are going to be able to handle something as deep as child suicide you know what i'm saying yeah 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 and they just they weren't they they weren't equipped you know right. back then right. and right. to a degree now they 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 kind of still aren't but yeah and and (laughs) yeah yeah that that store that department store they were shopping in in the episode Mm. man that felt so authentic i was having flashbacks (laughs) you said it was marshall's you said it was marshall's man yeah that's where i got my fufu stuff from marshall's that's where i got my 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 polo at least i think it was polo um that yellow polo vest that you see me in 20 years ago that's where i got it from <laughs> from that, that was a, that was a authentic department store that they were in, but um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna try to share my favorite five as succinctly as possible because uh, I got mad notes here and I know we short on time, but for me number five I got um, season two episode nine, uh, North for the Border where they yep. they go to the college show, mm-hmm. and Earn gets kind of cheap. You know we kind of see Earn's cheapness. And opportune, opportunistic attitude throughout season one and two, really. Mm-hmm. But this time, it cost yep. them dearly. They could have just got a hotel, but instead, instead trying to save money, he decides to let them lodge with this chick on social media who's a fan who turns out to be completely nuts. Crazy. From the very first, cute, cute chick. But as soon as she gets Earn, uh, uh, Al alone, it's like the crazy came out. And he's he's in her, her room. He sees a dirty footprint on the ceiling. And he's just, <laughs> <laughs> at, at that point, it's like, man, whatever is going on in this house, it's got to be crazy and bananas, and you don't want to deal with it. You don't want no parts of it. That footprint on the, on the ceiling. Then when everything fell apart... Well, first, let me get to the pajama party. Like, like... The, the girl dumps her her 
beverage on Al because he he dares to talk to another chick, and Al, uh, 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 Earl is Earn is trying to get a hold on the situation, and of course, who's there to to, to make things worse? It's Tracy, and we get to see. <laughs> We get to see him in slow motion off this chick down by the <laughs> stairs <laughs> to Nina Simone's funkier than a mosquito's tweeter. And the only reason she didn't bust her head and die is because Ern caught her. And then yeah. all, all everything just all it just broke loose. Then the dudes come trying to fight him. Then Tracy makes that worse and they have to flee. <laughs> and like what I got from that episode, I, I got something completely different because when they were, when they fled that college and they ended up in the dorm with those like back, back dudes, white yeah. dudes uh-huh. who knew them, <clears throat> to me it was, it felt like more of a commentary on the far reaching influence of hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. Like here y'all are in the, the countryest of country areas and y'all was able to chill here because they knew who Paperboy was. Now the thing with Tracy, I think that was more of like an Al just not Al Earn getting his comeuppance for being cheap, sure. you sure. know, and just not being on top of his business. Cause if he had done that, what nothing Tracy had done really yeah, had exactly. affected him that bad. Exactly. And like the scene, the funny scene was then was um the Darius's reaction when their stuff was on the lawn cut up. And he picked up that shoe and there's all the slide. Even, he's like, I can't even be mad at that. That's kind of impressive. <laughs> and then the dis- deleted scene where they were doing the TLC dance. I thought that was cool. Because you get the, that's the one of the only times you really get to see the three of them just be cool and just be silly and be friends, you know. Um, number four, I got season one, episode four, the strike sand effect. That's the episode where Paperboy gets into a online beef with this dude, the social media personality named Zan. <laughs> and you know, and that's yeah, that's Uber the driver. <laughs> right. No, he was, he was the what was he a pizza delivery boy? That's it. That's yeah. it. He was like yeah. delivery person. And his business partner was this like little kid and Uh-huh. But I like that episode because we got to see more layers to Darius. That's the episode where yeah. Earn gets some money and as usual, he he's trying to capitalize and, and, and get greedy and, and gamble with the money. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Darius convinces him to buy this samurai sword. They trade it in for a dog. They take the dog so. to a breeder. And he's like, oh, man, we're good. He's going to get puppies out of it. And then they're going to sell for two grand each, man. You're going to be we're we going to make a killing. And Ern is like, no, I needed that money. Like, like I, I had things to do with that money. I needed that now. And it was a commentary on why poor people stay poor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And poor people don't have time to invest, you know, and grow their money because they're too busy trying to survive. And it also, upon the second time watching it, I'm like, okay, is is Darius really trying to illustrate how poverty is a state of mind? Because to him, it was like, oh, this makes perfect sense to do this. And it, in a way that it never occurred to earn. So I don't know. And it's funny you said that because the first time I saw that episode, I viewed it completely different too. Now, being a stockbroker, looking at that episode, I'm with Darius. Right, but the reality I, of the situation was still the same. Like, Ern still needed that money then and there. He just didn't have the opportunity to be like, yeah, let me take this in and 
you know, take this money and invest it and grow it and it'll pay off down the road in this in, in this way. No, but what I'm saying is, like you said, is it is it a state of mind? Because Earn isn't able to see far enough ahead and he doesn't know how to and they demonstrated this in season one and season two. He doesn't know how to um, divide and conquer. He didn't have to take all the money. He could have just took some of the money. You know, and see, okay, what what could some of the money do for me? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or if there was a, he wasn't asking enough questions. And we've seen that, especially in season one, he'll be all in on one thing. And he even told that to Van. He told that to Van in one of the episodes, like, I just got to do it my way. And then Al repeatedly throughout season one and two kept calling him out for those yeah. types of stupid decisions. You know? And I wonder how much of that is earned being you know smarter than everybody else but really having all this untapped potential so he almost has to do it his way for self-validation yeah. and as far as you know his his perspective during a Streisand episode versus Darius I, I think a big part of that is Darius maybe has the flexibility of seeing the world differently because he didn't have the same responsibility like mm-hmm. Ern got, got a baby Right. Yeah, that, mon- that monkey is on his back at all times. Yes, time. indeed. Yes, indeed. So it's a state of mind and it's a state of finance because that that episode I remember being left with that one was that man, you really do have to have money to make money. Oh, for yes. sure. Because yes. oh, for sure. there's so many situations that we go through in life where it's like, man, if I had the money to do this, I could make so much money. Like I go through that. This is it's, it's, it's been many times where it's like, man, if I just had this money, I would be able to parlay that into even more money. But I just don't have it. So I'm got to do what I got to do. do what you got to right. do in the moment. I mean, sometimes you need just the access to money, too. It don't even got to be yours. If you had the ability to take a, take a risk or, um, you know, make a long term investment with the security of you know, if I if, if this takes longer than I expect, if the market turns, if something bad happens altogether and I lose it, like it's if it's all on me, that's one thing. It's if if I have um, you know a family that I can lean on because because you know my people's 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 owned a tobacco farm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 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 now I can go to my parents and say, "Yo, I this this." plan didn't work out can I borrow ten thousand dollars to do whatever if you have the ability even if you don't personally have the money but you got access to capital it still puts you in a completely different position to to even take the risk of trying to, to bet because everything is not going to be successful but that's how you gain success is through failure but if failure is going to cause you to starve you don't even have the luxury of taking that chance right Right. But all too often, we constantly saw Earn want to risk everything all yep. the time. One yep. thing. It's like, yep. and, and Al, you go back and watch it, he's constantly giving us the exposition in case we missed it. Because I think a lot of people can relate to Earn. Mm-hmm. He's constantly giving us the exposition that Earn's way don't work. He constantly gets nah, a lottery over. ticket. Right. Exactly. The other thing I like about the episode too, it also illustrated do not waste your time in Twitter beats. <laughs> like, uh, word, word. It's like it's like 
when he was shooting pool, when Al was shooting pool with his buddy and the dude, he was like, man, I don't get this dude. Like, and his friend told him, he's just a misguided nigga that likes hip hop. Like, and that's basically all anyone is on the internet. But let, let me get on with my list. Um, number three, I got um, season two, uh, episode three, The Barbershop, of course. I was so triggered throughout this whole episode because I've been there. I think we've all been there. But at the very end, did you catch the message? The message when he had to go to the new barber and the guy was like, uh, how you want it? And he had to go right. through the whole process. It's like, to me, it kind of illustrates the relationship between this is what I took from it. Artists and audience. We put up with certain things because from artists because we respect at the end of the day, we respect their craftsmanship. We respect their art. So whether it's rappers or performers or man, maybe even friendships, we all put up with certain things because we we're seeing the bigger picture. That's just right. what I took from it. You know, after after the laughs were over, of course. That number, makes sense. Num, number two for me was uh, season two, episode seven, Champagne Poppy. That was great. Yeah, you know, it, it illustrates how we do things for the wrong reasons. We go to functions and events a lot of times for the wrong reasons to just stun on somebody else and show them how much of a good time we're having because we think they're having a good time. So we want to show them and at the end of the day, Drake wasn't even there and come to find out he Mexican, you know? So, that, was, that was that was hilarious. And then for Darius to be at the party, I was like, how'd, how'd this happen? Okay. Darius um, Dump, yo. Uh, uh, and then my number one episode was season two, episode one, Alligator Man. I love this episode from beginning to end. Cat Williams totally deserved the Emmy for, for, yeah. for that um, performance. In the beginning of the episode, we see an attempted robbery at a fast food joint that goes sideways and they established it's robbing season. That's the whole theme for season two. Oh, Everyone's right. trying to get over. Yep. Yep. And then in the also in the beginning of the episode, and see, we kind of forget about everything that happens before Cat Williams comes along because Cat Williams did such a great job. Right. Alan Darius, when when Ern walks in, Alan Darius aren't speaking to each other. Right. And like Ern can feel the tension in the room. I don't know if y'all ever been in a situation like that, but it's weird energy between two mutual friends. You're like, man, I don't know what's going on, but. Earn it, it colors how Earn goes into getting his uncle straight mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he's like they're not talking and he's like okay I don't know what's going on between you two but I just want to let you know I love you both and he immediately gets laughed at but you know he said what he had to say then fast forward he goes to his uncle's house to settle a domestic dispute you know or uh, Al sends him over to his uncle Willie and man dude it was that 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 was so authentic it, how it touches on family drama all, all the way down to to the to the stereo blast that I'll be good by Renee and Andrew <laughs> you know it's like I'm like man this feels like I'm at my uncle's house you know and it's like <laughs> it was it was eerie and it was very meta because yeah yeah you know Cat Williams he's him staying in the house was symbolic of him standing on his principles. He's like, no, I don't have to leave this house. I know the rules. Like, I, I get to stay in my house, and y'all can't do nothing about it. 
and everyone's telling him, man, dude, just leave the house. Just leave the house. Just talk to police. And he's like, no, I'm not leaving the house. I'm not talking to them. And then the speech he has with Earn, where he's like, man, if you want to make it, you got to get rid of that chip on your shoulder. And it's like, I'm like, yo, is Cat Williams talking to Earn or is he talking, talking about me? Right. Right. Talking about community. About yeah. himself. Uh huh. Yeah. And like, and, and Earn had to just, he had to go off on him. I mean, after he went off, he's like, look, I'm I'm still mad about what happened between you and my mom. And like, you know, he just kind of had a real moment with him. And like, I, I got family like that, man. Like, I got an uncle just like that. Like, brilliant dude, man. It's like he's invented things. Like, he's he's invented his own uh devices and stuff, but his life is a mess because he just let stuff happen to him. Mm-hmm. No, he never took control of his of his own life, and it's like I'm 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 scared. I am scared of becoming like that or, or other family members. And it was it to me that was such a a great episode and a and a and a you know hard hitting one. And then of course the way it ends, <laughs> you know, he's booking out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> he sends the alligator out as a distraction. Hey, he's just booking out the back door, but man, great, great, you know, great episode. Like, 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 like you ain't got no alligator. Yes, he do. Don't let, <laughs> don't let them get, don't let them cheer in. Them cheer in ain't lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's the, also the episode where we got an introduction through Darius of Florida Man. So, <laughs> hey man, right, that conspiracy yeah. makes sense to me. Makes sense to me, but, but you, um, you're right. The uh, that whole season now that you mentioned that whole season is uh, season two, it's Robin season. Like, I'm that was, little, that was the tagline. I'm looking at it on IMDb, that's exactly what is going on this entire season. Yep, yeah, that's that's a good one. I hadn't connected all the episodes, yeah, that's the, that's the whole season. Yeah, man, I, I, could, I could talk for another 30 minutes about, about uh, Atlanta and oh, for sure what I appreciate about it and it being a real first show to, uh, you know, really showcase Afro surrealism, you know, um, do, do, if you, if y'all ever get a chance, do some research on that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a a genre, uh, that was, it it was, it was named by Amiri Baraka in 1974. And, um, it kind of touches on highlighting the absurdity and present day life for black people. And, um, you know, when you're a minority or when you're part of a mar- marginalized group, as black people are, how you live in a world that's constantly surreal because you're getting confronted with things that you really shouldn't have to deal with or just seem very absurd. And I, I think it's the, the show Atlanta is a great example of that. I don't know if Donald Glover was, a, was a, you know, studied it at some point, but I think the show does a great job of, of showcasing that. So, um, I Man, wouldn't be surprised because a lot of his other work kind of expresses that that similar um, in a similar space. Like if you look at the um, the dialogue for for Tracy Jordan and Thirty Rock, there yeah. is that. It's not it's not the same, and it can't be because it exists in a in a space that's not you know buying for black folks. But you get a little bit of it within that. Oh, because Donald Glover was the. He wrote right. He wrote. He wrote all of that. Yeah. Yep. He wrote all of the the dialogue for Tracy Jordan, and I guess that's why I'd be interested to to know if he's ever spoken on that. But I, you could see the influence for sure. Mm. Yeah. He he wrote that song. I don't know if y'all remember that song, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Donald Glover wrote that. Mm -hmm. 
that was crazy. But um, moving right along, man. Like I said, like I, I could, I could, I could go on forever about on this topic. And in fact, I don't know when y'all finish season three. Let me know because I would love to discuss. It. Yes, indeed. Oh, oh, for sure. I'll watch season season three because because there's some there's some things about season three I love. Like yeah. Oh my god. The, the 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 this this uh season finale <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was we called it though we, we called it, but the way that they did it but then, you know i let, let me cry <laughs> yeah y'all y'all gonna enjoy it y'all gonna enjoy it you know um yeah just just kick back and just enjoy what they're giving you because <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot yeah. All right, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to dive real quick into our album face-off for the uh, week. I, I apologize for sending the syllabus out so late. I, I I only sent it to Marcellus, and in my mind, I thought I had sent it out to everybody, and I didn't remember till till yesterday. So, you know, my apologies for that. <clears throat> but this week, we have the album uh, Jericho Jackson, which is the self-titled album. It's a combination of the MC Elzai and the producer crisis and this is their debut collab project which was released uh february 23rd 2018 on jamla records clocking in at 11 tracks and 39 minutes produced entirely by crisis and it is facing off against a joint album with the uh, mc blue and producer knots entitled gods in the spirit titans in the flesh uh, released April 3rd, 2018 on Coal Mine Records, clocking in at 14 tracks in 53 minutes, produced entirely by Knots. So I thought it would be cool to kind of take a MC producer combo one off and kind of put them together, uh, put them against each other. Because uh, both these MCs are, I mean, y'all know their pedigree. They're, they're dope MCs who delivered quality for years. But um, I'll give it up to you all. Did y'all get a chance to check these out? And if so, which one were you feeling more and why? I'm going to have to pass on this one because I was definitely all into Atlanta. So I, I ain't <laughs> <to> nothing. <laughs> I was all in on Atlanta. <laughs> understood. Understood. Uh, I'll go. So I loved the Jericho Jackson album when it dropped. And I, I didn't even remember um, having heard the the Blue and Knots joint, like I must have, but I, I just didn't remember it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to give it a halfway listen because I already know that this Jericho Jackson is going to blow it out the water because if it hadn't, like it would have been, it would have come across my radar. You know, it just didn't, didn't ring a bell with me. So I, you know, I just kind of knew it was going to be a blowout. Um, I forgot how cold Knots was. <laughs> And so, and so, um, I listened to it, and um, Blue is a Blue is a dope MC, but I think he kind of suffers from the same thing that like Rock Marciano suffers from. For me, um, their vocal tone it, it, it's not strong, really. So after a while, it kind of get it can get drowned out by the production, and you might miss a bar or two just because it it, it it starts to become like white noise to me. But this was a this was a really really dope album, and I don't think we got I don't think I got as much of that from this album as I have from other Blue Projects, and I think part of that is because of how much how much how many um, guest appearances are on there, so you weren't only getting one person's voice, so that kind of gave us some variety. Mm -hmm. um, 
that Jericho Jackson still slapped. So it's still it's still crazy. I've I'm a big fan of Crisis, um, big fan of of Elzai, and I I still love that album. Um, what I found difficult with doing this face off is, man, I'm so tired of like somber, dark hip hop right now. There was so much of it, and and Jericho Jackson has a lot of that. Like it's not a happy album. <laughs> It's dope, but it's very, very dark. And so I think that it's, it, the timing of it kind of could, uh, the timing of the face-off makes it, um, you know, gives it a, a disadvantage. Because the Blue uh, Blue and Blue and Knots album is just more fun. Like, it's, it's uh, a more upbeat experience. Uh, but bar for bar, pound for pound, like, they're, pretty pretty comfortable as, as far as lyrical skills um but man the the the, the blue and the uh the knots were just just more fun and maybe the timing of it made it more palatable for the moment oh wow so i had to go with the jericho jackson it was still a better album <laughs> i had to look past what i was feeling about it <laughs> it was still a better album but um, I just did not want to hear that at the moment. I, I, I needed something different, but that doesn't mean that it was it was a worse project. I still think it was a, a superior project. Okay. <laughs> oh man, you, you, you crossed this over again. All right, Vince, man, did you get a chance to check these out? Yeah, I did. Um, man, Jamil never ceases to amaze. I, I, I feel like I always know when he's about to finally decide on the album, and it always gets me. <laughs> always. Bro, he broke but, my ankles on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you if, if you hoop like that, Jamil. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you see me hoop. You know it ain't nothing like that. Yeah, man. man. <laughs> but um, I will say this. Uh, the cry, uh, no, not blue, and um, what, what's the album called again? Uh, Gods in the Spirit, Titans in the Flesh. Yeah, that album it feels like the last of a dying breed type of MC. Um, because I know it was in 2018, correct? Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like he's in a, a he's in a decade as far as his, his, his style that kind of has been eradicated, especially in New York, because they're doing something different in New York. That drill rap thing is starting to happen. You know, the 504s of the world um, are starting to creep up out of there. But it was a dope album. Um, what's that song I'm thinking about? Because uh, I never heard the album, to be honest. But I heard some songs from it, like End of the World. Like, as soon as I heard that beat, I'm like, I know that beat. I'm like, I've heard oh, didn't that I beat. send you that beat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I'm like, I know that. And it made me, it made me connect to it. But it started off, it started off slow to me. Um, or not so much as slow, but I was just trying to figure out what was happening. Because um, it didn't seem like it was uh, pointed as far as what they was rapping about in any particular way. It was very, it's just their rhyming style, his and everybody that was featured on it at the beginning. It was it was like a lot of hyperbole going on. 
And that's what I mean by the last, you know, the dying breed, because a lot of people don't rap as hyperbolic like that anymore, you know? Um, you know, with some of the, the you know, some of the uh, things that they say, it's not as exaggerated anymore. Um, but it was still like, it was refreshing to hear. Now, as far as that, that Elza, he's just my type of hip hop artist, man. Like that is, he's just my type of artist. So it's just a pleasure to hear him just do it on his own, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just nice to listen to, man. It really was just a pleasure to to hear him go. Now, as far as like them compared to the pen, Elzai's pen is more complex than than uh than Blue. More complex. Uh, he he his layer the layers to his rhymes are just at a different level. That doesn't mean that the blue is bad. It's just that it's a it's more complex of a right a writing style, and that's like right up my alley. I can't say that the production was better on any given one um, because both both production did lend to the style that was given for each particular artist. But I just think uh, I think the Jericho Jackson album was just more up my alley. So when I listened to it, it uh, that's basically what I had to go off of. Cause I, I really think that they were kind of even in terms of just, you know, you versing them together. But oh, at least talking about lyrically. Well, just all together. Like, cause you know, lyrics don't always tell the whole story. All right. Um, honestly speaking, I think as far as like the hooks and stuff, I think it was better out of a uh, blues out. Mm-hmm. Cause Elzai is not known for his hooks. I will say that much. <laughs> he ain't known for those. He just, that boy can just spit. And he just, he, he he does the multi-syllabic thing without feeling like it's multi-syllabic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so, they just, I, I honestly just, overall, Elzai is just my type of artist, so I, I, I kind of go towards that direction as far as the better album. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right. So we got two for uh, Jericho Jackson. Um, now, me, myself, the Blue and Knots, this totally missed my radar when it dropped. Um, but Blue is a very respected lyricist with at least one classic under his belt, uh, Blow to Heavens. And Knots is a dude who has a reputation for being a can't-miss can't producer <clears throat> and being your favorite producer's favorite producer. You know, he's one of those dudes. Um, so the combination of him and Blue got me really excited, you know. However, I do feel like Blue got outwrapped by uh, dang near every everybody, <laughs> every guest appearance. Now that is true. Cash is that, is, that is a Mickey Facts. Uh, Science of Life, Homeboy well Sandman, Mickey Facts, Tri State, Torrey, Sky Zoo, Bishop Lamont, like all of these dudes outwrapped him on on their features, like. The only one who didn't was Nitty Scott, who normally I love, but I, I hated her on this. You know, as far as establishing any memorable chemistry, though, it it, it overall the project felt like a missed opportunity to me. It, it it the 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 pairing of them was a great concept, you know, because because Blue can go, um, but I felt that this project would have been better as an EP or 
I also feel that it would have been better if Knotts took a gave us a more compilation styled album because the other MCs on here sounded better on these beats than Blue in a lot of cases. Now there are some tracks on here that that work and succeed as dope tracks like Cream of the Crop and The Man and End of the World and, and yeah. definitely God-ish and Heaven on Earth, but largely due to the contributions of the other rappers on here i mean they could have easily mixed five or six out of the 18 tracks and just made a really good ep or just went back to the drawing board all together and did like a, a compilation and I, I i remember the reason why i missed this album this came on the tail end of blue dropping 12 projects in six years and he became one of those dudes it was just kind of hard to keep up with because he was oversaturating the market with releases that weren't really his best or most memorable. But I, that being said, I do feel like this release was on the upper echelon of that little run that he went through in terms of quality. But what makes Blue great and when he's at his best is when he has concrete topics and subjects that he's speaking on, or when he's telling a story or when he's giving us battle rhymes and we got almost none of that on here we we got or we got very little of it you know we got a lot of rudderless rapidly rap rhyming and, and stream of consciousness bars that don't really fully represent the type of talented mc blue is or, or his range of skills now on the other hand with the jericho jackson you know one of these one of these albums padded its runtime with a bloated list of guest appearances but the other one was an example of a talented MC hooking up with a talented producer and being locked in fully for 10 songs and giving us quality tracks from start to finish. You know, the beat switch ups were dope. The, the topics he was touching on were dope. And he, he touched on a variety of relatable topics and it had no guest appearances. And, and Elzai's rhyming is as impeccable as ever. And he just, he glides effortlessly over these beats, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, when Self Made comes on, it's a rap. It was a rap for this album Face Off. You know, <laughs> he said, I like the track where he, it would, on this track, he was like, that's just how I'm blazing. Nothing short of amazing. Had a brush with death and all it did was make my wave spin. <laughs> like, that, was, that was crazy. I'm like, this is sick. Like, this is sick. Or when he said, uh, inside the boundary of a city, state, and county was down to put a bounty on my head before they crowned me, giving me more reasons to pour Riesling and activate the door keys in the four seasons where I'm where, where I'm from, make the news that'll interrupt the program. Some will face the music, others caught up in a slow jam. And, and he just, dude, he puts on a, a, a clinic. He puts on a clinic. Well, he I, he said, uh, uh, all I push is mind power, screw zombies. They brainwash while my brain waves of tsunamis. <sighs> it's yeah, like, yeah, that was nice. He, it's just, yeah, he's got impeccable skills, you know, to-do lists, you know, rapping about all the things he wants to do in life before he dies, you know, or the track 17, you know, where he's just rapping about you know, bad decisions young people make. And then that, that goes right into Friends, where he's he's rapping about, you know, the type of friends you don't want to have, you know? And it's it's just, it's just heat, man. It was just heat. And, you know, like I said, there, there are some tracks that work on the um, Blue and Nas album, but overall, man, it, felt, it just felt like a missed opportunity, you know, which is a shame because 
I know both these dudes can get busy, but I'm, I'm giving the edge to Jericho Jackson as well. So there you have it, man. We are going to go ahead and hurry up and cap off this episode with another segment of What You're Bumping. I want to invite y'all to share with the listeners what y'all been bumping for the past week or so. So, uh, Marcellus, man, you're our special guest, man. Uh, what you been bumping? Oh, Kendrick. Nice. Show. Nice. Nice. After after season, you know, rewatching Atlanta, and then going into Mr. Steppers, like that, that it's, like, it's it's time to dive back into some some <laughs> Looney Tunes and, and some comics or something. Because like, man, like, it's just it's just it was just too much depth. Yep. And I, now all this is going on, you know, while you know the Texas stuff is going on, the Buffalo mm-hmm. shooting. It's like ah, I gotta, I need some comedy in my life right now. <laughs> they they saying some deep stuff. Mm-hmm. That album is not it, it's it ain't it ain't uh it's hidden. And like I said, it's a it's a several tracks on there when I was asking you like what is people saying about these tracks, man? Oh, I ain't heard you said I ain't heard streets say nothing about them. I'm like, oh nah, see. That's like we was talking about before, folks gotta grow up. Because yep. Kendrick said a lot. He said a lot on this album. Yep, yep. Yeah, he 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 challenged himself and and you know kind of challenged the culture to have some tough conversations. Or sure. Yep, which is which is cool because if you, if you don't do that, you you'll be walking around thinking Jack Harlow is a good rapper. Um, but yeah, uh, that that wasn't necessary. <laughs> I, I think it was. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Let me, let me just say this: Jack Harlow is better than he needs to be, and that's the extent of my praise for him. <laughs> he but, seems well, to—he seems to have an understanding of where he actually is, though. Like he—he he appears to be a sharp dude. He's not—he's um, not Post Malone. No, he's not that disrespectful. But we'll talk about them next week. <laughs> oh, great! I cannot wait. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vince, man, this week what you been bumping? Yeah, I was bumping some Wu Tang. Um, nice. Just anything random. I just actually just typed in Wu Tang on YouTube music and just shuffled, and it was going all over the place. And it was it was very fun. Did you I, check was, out that Meth Lab Three with Method Man? I sure did. What you think of it? How, I, I gotta give it, it another listen because I, hey, I want us. Hey, hey, I'll put it to you like this: it was great, but unnecessary. Like it didn't have to happen. I, I know cool. that sounds crazy, but like it didn't really have to happen. But it was great. Like he he did, like you know, meth method. Uh, meth has uh, he's kind of shifted his style a little bit, and he's focused. Right. And I want to stand with that. I want to support him because he's on this whole like no profanity kick now, and like, but he's still giving us really good bars. Yeah. But the but the beats were a little lacking for me, so I, I'm gonna give it another listen because I'm like, you know, just, I, I like I like where Meth is at right now in his career. Yeah. And, and, and it, know, it, felt like, it felt like it felt like okay, that was cool. 
All right, what else am I gonna listen to? You know, and, and I don't want to be. I don't. I'm gonna hope I don't. That doesn't sound disrespectful, because I'm gonna listen to it again and probably on a on a constant basis. But it just felt like fill. It felt like a filler. It felt filler. But it was it was all dope though. Um, but you're right about the production. It was, you know, you're right about that. But it it, it just felt like it felt like it didn't need to happen. He just it felt like he just like just uh, just so y'all know I can rap too. I can still rap. Right, right. And it felt like it, it also felt like he just felt the need to put something out because a lot of older people. A lot of his peers have put out music, so it's like, well, I, 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 I think I need to do it too. So he just did it. Right, right. The other thing was Meth Lab Two was terrible, so <laughs> we needed to, uh, <laughs> we needed to reset. Yeah, yeah. Meth Lab Two wasn't that great. Meth Lab One was. Yeah, Meth Lab One was dope. Oh. Hey, well, honestly, Meth Method Man, he hasn't been missing since he uh, did that battle rap. With uh, who was it? It was uh, 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 Math Hoffa. Since he did that, oh yeah, man, he been he been spitting some heavy bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 hit a, a little creative spell that I like. But um, okay, cool, cool. Jamil, man, this week what you been bumping? Uh, I was bumping that uh, Vakil God's Gun. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was that was cold. Um, I gave. Kendrick and Span real quick and then I turned it off. I it, it I needed a palate cleanse after you know Kendrick for a couple of weeks and, and the Jericho Jackson again this time. Uh so I switched all together. I went to my 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 go-to, Missy. So I went to Super Duper Fly because <laughs> I needed some I needed something. Needed a pick me up. Fun, meaningless, and, and you know, I don't have to think about anything. Just just enjoy it. And um so that and uh, the Ray Ray album, the Raphael Sadiq Ray Ray. Oh, nice, nice. That's a, that's a slept on gem. That's indeed summertime album. Nice, nice. All right, me myself. Uh, I've been on my instrumental jazz kick this week. Uh, I've been bumping Grant Green, uh, his album Visions. Uh, great, great album. You, you, you're gonna hear a lot of hip hop samples on that album. Um, but yeah, Grant Green Visions, and then I've been listening to uh, Camp Low. Uh, Camp Low had an album that came out in 2020 called Another Heist. That's actually pretty dope. Um, check that, that out. You said 2020? Yeah. It was either that. 2020 or 2019, but I saw it in Spotify. I was like, let me check this out. And it, it's, it's, it's actually dope. It's called Another Heist. How did I miss that? Um, then I was bumping uh, Marco Polo's new album, MP on the MP, Beat Tape Volume 3. I was bumping Capital D in the Moment, Writer's Block. And I've been bumping, oh, the, the I don't know if y'all ever heard the, the Danny Brown show. He, he's got like a podcast. They know that. Man, dude, this dude is funny, man. This dude is funny. Like, check out, check out his show. It's called the Danny Brown Show. Like, <laughs> it's 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 pretty funny, man. His voice just cracks me up. His voice is wild. Like he like the way he talks. He he remind you know who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Jerome, uh, Linnell's brother. Oh wow! Like if you gave him a show, it would be a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check that out. Wow. 
All right. Um, so uh, that will do. Oh, Jamil, uh, you got any album anniversaries for us? Yes, indeed. Some very important ones, too. Uh, just three, though. Celebrating 10 years uh, from Jay Dilla, Dilla Tastic. No, Dilla Trey, my bad. Mm. Celebrating 10 years. Celebrating 20 years, the Eminem show. Mm. Which makes me feel old. And uh, celebrating 30 years this week. You know, sometimes when I'm alone in my room, I stare at the wall and listen to this album. <laughs> bigger, bigger and deafer. LL Cool J. Celebrating 30 years. Wow. 30 years. Wait, 30 or 35? 30. 1987. That's 35. That would be 35. That would be 35. My bad. I wrote it down wrong. Yes, 35 years. Wow. 35. Man, oh, man. <clears throat> All right. So there you have it, people. That's the show. In the words of Tony Baker, this is a whole theatrical release right here. I, I had a feeling this I had a feeling this show was gonna run long, but but yeah, this this is a this is a whole theatrical release. But um man, gentlemen, I wanna uh thank y'all for carving out some time tonight and getting away from your families to share your input uh and give your input on the show tonight is always always appreciated. So with that, I'm going to bid y'all adieu, and I'm going to say peace. All right, check out later. All right. Like X and they terminate like Swartz and A. Dumpty Dumb Rock like Wooju Bun Pun. Super-
like one tongue fucked by the Tunstra Rumps. Please, my whole crew's making cheese. Tonight's tonight, baby. So blow up off these and it's all. I set it off like bubble vet. Big up to all my brothers in the housing projects. I'm running up in your continue to split your guts. Grab the rail. You need to hold on when I rock well. Got wits like Pennell. It's the ball like Acknell. Vicky T Rocket. Mindy, best of lockers. Waste brothers like Toxic. Wet like Galoshes. Can I handle my biz? Yes, you can. I cause chaos and bring a lot of depth to gems. Yes, I can. Now act stupid. I'll pop the trunk. Good clown. Now give me your bubble. Left on my half minute cools. Words to dance and pillow and cool beat. Switching speeds like Bruce Lee. Right in the Fuji in the movie. I rock it on the one after two, three. Funky like a boxer. Or loose sleeve. <laughs> Yo. I said, uh. Switching up speeds. Like Bruce Lee. Riding a Fuji in the movie. I be saying some real word out. If you ain't get it. Laugh now. And then 